buy and hold versus buy and sell. Which one is better? Or even more importantly, which one's better for us as military? I'm going to go over each, and I'll let you decide, but I'll give a strong argument as to why buy and hold is the right strategy for you. Hey, Freedom Fighters, welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. You are in the place where we focus on teaching military members, veterans, and their families. Hey, what's going on, guys? Mike Foster in the house here again. We are going to be talking about buy and hold versus buying and selling. Now, this is a constant debate amongst all real estate investors, but really, for us as military, what is the better course of action, right? Now, we understand that we PCS all over the place, and we understand that there's no location that's set in stone for us ever. But people generally do tend to live in the same area, and it's not like you can just keep using your VA loan over and over again if you're stationed in the same place. So what is the better move? I'm going to explain that to you here today, but first, guys, I'd like to introduce our little podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Thank you so much for listening. How to invest in real estate and build financial freedom. That way they can build their own residual or passive income coming in month after month without having to worry about the government check or the disability checks or any of that, right? All right, good to go. So let's get into today's lesson. We're going to deep dive this debate on buying and hold versus buy and sell. Now, I'm going to go ahead and start with buying and hold because this right here is the critical mass of our entire program, right? We teach you guys to leverage your benefits and leverage your ability to buy properties and hold them long term. Why? Because you want to build passive income and you want to build wealth, okay? And when you're buying a property and you're holding it over time, there are certain things that you need to take into account, right? Like tenants, okay? If you're going to leave, let's say you buy that property initially, you live in it and then you PCS somewhere else, right? You leave, you need to put a tenant in there to Make sure that you're able to recoup all their expenses, right? And expenses that you'll pay in maintenance or taxes or insurance, right? And then also your monthly payments if you still have a loan, right? So you want to make sure that the rent you're receiving is over that. Now, if it is, then it's a good investment. And that is great for you because now you have income that comes in over all your expenses, You have a tenant that is paying off your mortgage and building your net worth over time, right? Building the equity in your home. 
That's, that's great. They're giving you residual income and your expenses are getting handled. That's a, a huge reason why buying and hold is great because month after month, right, you're, you'll have money coming into your pocket. When you transfer to your next station, you have an extra income as well as the BAH that you're going to receive when you get to your new location, uh, which is really also great, right? Uh, but you also have that asset that is back in your previous location. And that asset will continue to follow you as long as you hold it, right? Now, uh, I touched about net worth. I want to go into that a little bit more, right? So what is net worth? Net worth is a statement of your financial ability or rather your financial performance, right? Now, when you have your net worth calculation, you'll have your assets and your liabilities next to each other and you'll see when you break down all the numbers, which assets are performing for you, which assets are not performing for you, right? And the more assets that you have, right, the more things that are bringing you income, the better. Because you don't want too many liabilities, right? Things that are taking your income from impeding your ability to do things like qualify for loans or really like live life. Honestly, I mean, the most wealthy people in this world understand that net worth is the most important thing because your net worth really precedes you sometimes if you are, you know, if you have that much of it, right? I mean, just think uh, Bill Gates or think you know Warren Buffett, right? Their net worth is through the roof. So anywhere they go, Anybody knows that they've got a lot of money coming with them, right? But, you know, you're just average Joe Schmo, right? When you have a high enough net worth, your ability to, you know, get loans from the bank or get financing for this or that, whatever, right? Uh, it, it becomes a whole lot easier because they know that you are financially savvy, right? And so it, it's huge. It honestly doesn't sound like it's that big of a, a big of a deal but it really is and um and it's good for you too because that's the amount of wealth that you'll be able to pass on to your family should anything happen to you or you know when you eventually pass right so that's good okay taxes taxes are another huge deal when it comes to buying and hold now yes you do have to pay what's called property tax if you have a mortgage, your property tax is covered with your mortgage company nine times out of ten, right? But if you if you do not, let's say you own your property free and clear, you do have to pay those taxes each month, right? Or each quarter, rather. But um, understand that you get a lot of tax benefits as well when you buy and hold real estate. First one being your interest rate. So you are allowed to take account of the interest you're paying on the loan that you're receiving and you can deduct that from your taxes each year. You also can deduct uh, what's called depreciation, right? Where think of your building as an asset. Well, it is an asset, right? But think of your building just like any other business. Uh, when you have a piece of equipment that you're using to make you money, that asset depreciates over time, right? It eventually you know, wears and tears and it breaks down. So just like that piece of equipment, the government treats your building as that piece of equipment, right? Because it is 
bringing you money as an asset, right? Month after month, year after year. And the government knows that that building is going to eventually wear down. So it will pay you, right, a portion of your money, uh, of the money that you spent to acquire that asset, divided by, I believe it's 20 years. Don't don't quote me on that, right? Consult your tax accountant, uh, your tax advisor for that information. But, right, there is a certain amount that they will give you each year, right, divided by the 20 years or 22 years, I believe, uh, that it will take your house to depreciate, right? So that's money coming in each year in taxes just off of you buying that home. It's great. Another awesome tax benefit that you can take advantage of are just the deductions that you have over holding that property, right? Now, you can deduct everything from property management to the insurance that you pay to any of the maintenance and repairs you pay. You can deduct all the expenses that go into it, even expenses like you know, planning to buy that property. Let's say you and your realtor you know, go out for lunch and you talk about the property and what you want to do with it or, you know, you're potentially buying it, whatever the case may be, right? You can get your your lunch expenses deducted too. I mean, you and your wife, you want to have a date night and you want to discuss the awesome, you know, things about what you're planning to do with your real estate empire, you know, when you build it or as it's building. That's another you know, business expense, right? Because it's a meeting. So anyway, I don't want to go too much into the tax things because you can literally spend all day talking about it. But there are so many awesome things you can do with taxes in regards to buy and hold real estate. But the most important thing that you need to do if you want to take advantage of all these tax advantages is you have to incorporate, okay? You have to put the properties that you are using as rentals in an LLC or in some kind of corporation, right? So you can be able to take advantage of these business expenses because that's essentially what they become. And that's why these tax benefits are so um, great for real estate investors, right? Okay, so keep that in mind. Let's move on. Buy and hold is less risky than buying to sell, okay? Two reasons. Let's talk about the costs and expenses that you may not see, right? When you're buying to sell, let's say you're flipping, right? You don't know what is in that home. You might have an idea based off of your inspection that you received if you were smart, right? When you first bought the property, but you never really know what you're going to find until you start fixing stuff and you start taking stuff apart and you start to see the good, the bad, and all the ugly. You know what I mean? Now, one the same thing can be said for buy and hold, but when you're buying to sell, especially, again, if you're trying to sell within a short period of time, these expenses can become very costly to fix quickly because that's the whole goal, right? If you're flipping, you want to be able to sell quickly, so it'll cost you a little more to fix these things, whereas if you're buying to hold, these problems you can take time to fix them because there's no rush, right? There's no rush at all. I mean, even if it's a major problem and you've got a tenant inside, then yeah, that becomes a little bit of a rush because you don't want your tenant to be out, you know, uh, out of the property for so long, especially if you have to cover, you know, expenses while they're trying to find someplace to stay. However, um, you know, 
it, it's still not nearly as bad because you're not worrying about that final price that you have to you know come up with when you're trying to sell. All right. Second thing, right? The market. Now the market drops and goes up. I mean, just like any other market, right? It fluctuates. However, the real estate market does not fluctuate nearly, nearly as bad as the stock market does, right? So it's generally easier to tell when the real estate market is, you know, hitting a downturn, right? Or hitting an upturn, right? In your area, depending. So, um, so really you have a bit of a cushion, um, now, again, a lot of people lost in 2007, 2008. So keep that in mind, right? If the market does tank, then you know you need to be able to keep your, your mind focused in that, in that area. But it also behooves you to buy right in the first place. And I think a lot of people also faced that issue where they didn't buy right, and that's why they lost, right? Now, there are many reasons. I'm not going to go into all of them. But Based off of what I've seen, that generally tends to be the one of the bigger cases. It, the property was not bought right. Whether either the terms were not in favor of a cushion, right, or didn't give the investor a cushion in case the market dropped, and also the purchase price was way too high. So you definitely want to make sure that you're not buying over market value for any property that you're, whether you're going to live in it or whether you plan to sell it in however long, right? Um, definitely want to make sure you buy, right? And that covers you in case that market does fall because you want your rent that you're going to charge to be able to keep up with your busy, your biggest expense, which will be your mortgage payment if you haven't paid that mortgage off completely by then, right? So in order to account for market falls, in case rent fluctuates you know, a certain amount, you definitely want to make sure that you charge enough rent and you buy low enough where your mortgage payment will give you a good a good cushion with in the case, okay? Anyway. Um, and then of course, right, buying and hold allows you to, you know, use a good team to help you reciprocate in certain areas, let's say, right? If you are living in an area and you've been constantly, you know, transitioned from one place to the next, um, I'm sorry, for one place to the next in that specific region, right? So you have built up a good team. If you're moving out of your property, you're refinancing and you're finding a new property for with your VA loan, that's great. And you can have a steady property manager. You can have a steady insurance agent, a steady lender, right? Those three things right there are super important. And, you know, and even if that property manager is a realtor, that's even better. So now you have those four things and you can continue to, you know, build your portfolio very quickly because you have a lot of help, right? If you're transitioning from place to place, then it becomes a little bit more hairy, but you still have the ability to build a good team by reaching out to other real estate investment, you know, um, uh, groups in the area, right? Or or even being connected through ADPI, right? We are all over the place. So definitely make sure that you find a, a group to connect with and ask those questions. Find some good people that would be willing to help you out. And, you know, and your buy and hold strategy can go seamlessly. But, you know, buying to sell, right? This is the other side of the coin. What appeals people to the whole buy and sell thing? Well, I'll tell you right off the bat, 
I think, and this is my personal opinion, right? But I think that people are a little short-sighted when they come to when it comes to real estate. They see that it's a good wealth-building tool, but they don't see the full picture. They see that you know if they live in a home for two to three years, they don't anticipate living in that area, right? Everyone says, I'm not going to live in Norfolk. I want to go to San Diego. Okay, got it. Well, while you've spent six to 10 years in Norfolk dreaming that you're going to live in San Diego and renting because you don't want to buy a house, think about the fact that that's six to 10 years that you have lost out on building equity in your home and taking and building money, right, cash, that you can take to San Diego and put a down payment on a really nice home in a really nice area, okay? I want you to think about that, okay? So everyone will think, you know, and then the other people, right, those those are just the people who rent. The other people, right, who get into this mindset, which is the buy to sell, will say, all right, I'm going to buy a home, I'm going to live in it for two to three years, and I'm going to sell it as soon as I PCS, I can take that cash and I can do whatever with, right? So... All right, that's fine, but you have to take into account a few things. Let's talk about taxes since we were talking about taxes and buy and hold, right? What's the difference? If you are going to sell a property and you don't do what's called a 1031 exchange, you will face capital gains tax on anything that you have received in growth from the time you bought it to the time you sell. And that capital gains tax is roughly about 30%, right? So you can definitely see a significant chunk of money coming out. And I hope that you're like also accounting for the 10% you're probably going to lose in the sale, right? Due to closing costs and realtor fees and all that jazz, right? So 10, that's an extra 10% on top of the 30%, which makes 40. That's almost half the amount of money that you've received in growth taken out. Okay. Take it out completely. Oh, and by the way, that 10% that you're getting charged on for closing costs and realtor fees, that's off the selling price of the entire property. So it may even be a little more than 40 when we really add it all up, right? But you're going to lose a, quite a bit off of that growth. So again, unless you do it in a 1031 exchange, which I'm not going to deep dive into now, but it's a way that you can transfer the gain you have from your property into another investment tax-free, right? Unless you do that, you're going to get hit with that capital gains tax and you're not going to make quite as much money as you thought you were going to, all right? So again, keep that in mind if you're going to buy and sell, okay? Now, something else that's more appealing, you don't have to deal with tenants. Once you sell your property, you're good to go and <clears throat> you no longer have to worry about, you know, dealing with property managers and what happens with my property and all that, which again, you know, is not necessarily all that bad when you think about it, because it's just like taking care of a division or taking care of a department. There are 10 million things that can go wrong within your ship or within your unit, right? Regardless wherever you're, wherever you're at, right? But there are systems in place to handle it if things go wrong. So why can't you have that same trust with property management? And let's say your property management company isn't good. Okay, then why don't you just fire them and find another property management company? All right, maybe this is a hassle for you. And if that if that is a hassle for you, then that's fine. And that's your perspective. But I'm just saying from one leader to the next, right? If something is wrong, I'm going to fix it. 
bottom line. So regardless of what that is in my life, whether it's my job or whether it's my money, <laughs> I have that same outlook on it. So I don't see why I can't just translate one to the other and use it to benefit me over the long run, right? Bottom line. Anyway, so another thing that you're going to want to take into account, and I, I kind of mentioned this in the last one, but your unexpected challenges, right? Now, things come up all the time. And this can happen for both, you know, your buy and hold strategy or for your buy and sell strategy. But, you know, let's say you're going to sell your property and all of a sudden the water breaks in your HVAC and now you have a whole bunch of water dumped in one of your rooms and you're trying to close in like 10 days. That's not good. (laughs) That's not good at all. And now you really need to fix it because you want to get rid of this property. And I promise you, your buyer's not going to want to pay for it because they're trying to buy a home that the inspection said was good, that you said was good, right? So now you got to fix your HVAC. You got to fix the the room, make sure all the water's out of it because you don't want any moisture to sit in there. Otherwise, you'll you know give a chance for mold to grow. Um, and you're you're going to be set back in the whole little bit. So now, again, here comes some more money out of pocket, right, that you'll eventually end up losing. And, and again, that kind of refers back to the whole tax thing and the, and the closing costs and, and realtor fees and all that jazz. So, you know, I mean, anything can happen. And I'm not saying that that's something that should scare you from selling your home, but that's something you want to take into account too, right? What happens if that comes up? Okay. Um, also, you know, you need a good team. You need a good team to help you out, right? So you being in the military, I don't assume you're going to have enough time to market your your home and and to. I mean, if you do, that's great. You know, if you have the time to market your home, to put it on the MLS, or to do like for, for Fisbo, right, for sale by owner, um, that's great. And if that works for you awesome. But, you know, a lot of us don't really do. So I'm just saying like, this might not be the best strategy for you. And then you can think and entertain holding your property, right? And seeing some of the long-term benefits you can have from just holding it. Now, right, some, let's go over some people's concerns when it comes to doing one versus the other. All right. So being able to qualify for a refinance loan. So with the VA, right, you can, you can, automatically refinance your loan into a lower rate. Let's say if you use a VA loan like 10 years ago when interest rates were like around 10% or something, right? And interest rates now are like four, three, maybe even 5%. You can refinance that with your VA again too, but you can refinance that and get an automatic lower rate, which is great. But if you're going to buy and hold that property, um, and you're going to put a tenant in there, you can't have your VA loan on it, right? I mean, if you're in the same area, you can't. But if you're in the, um, but if you're in a different area, right? If you're going to PCS to, let's say, San Diego from, from the East Coast, yeah, then you can. You can keep that VA loan and you might want to refinance so you can get a lower rate, right? Just before you move out. And then you can put a tenant in, right? As you're going out, to make sure that you have enough income to cushion, you know, market falls and any other random expenses that may come up, right? So, so that's good to go. Um, 
you know, and, and again, if you have enough equity built into your home over the time that you've been in, let's say you purchased your home with a VA loan four years prior or two years prior, right? And you have enough equity in there, you can refinance with a conventional loan and then you can put a tenant in there and you're also good to go, right? So there are so many ways that you can, you can make it work. Don't, don't limit yourself in thinking that, you know, one is, is impossible and I, I'm forced to go with this option, right? But, but definitely consider buying and hold because again, buying and hold, you're keeping your eyes set on the long term gain, not the short term. I mean, let's face it. If you were to receive $30,000 in cash right now, what would you do with it? Answer yourself that question. What would you do with that money right now? Now, I'm, I guarantee you some who are listening to this podcast would say that, hey, I'm going to take that cash and I'm going to put it into another investment that I've been eyeing for a bit. I'm ready. I have a plan to use it and it's good to go. But I also guarantee you that there are some listening to this podcast who are now faced with this question and they're asking themselves, what would I do at $30,000 if I got it in my hand right now? Because you haven't thought about it. And when you don't think about it, when you don't have a plan for money that comes into you like that, you leave yourself susceptible to drop that money into anything, right? A car, right? Which, you know, maybe another liability for you, right? Um, I mean, maybe you have an expense that you need to take care of. Maybe you have debt that you want to pay off and that's fine, right? I mean, we're going to go into another discussion. There'll be another podcast verse on, you know, paying off debt versus investing, I've got some. I've got some pretty good insight that I've read from certain books and listened to certain podcasts. I'd like to share and maybe get your opinion on it. But you know, for now, try and think about you know what if you have a home right and you know you're getting ready to PCS. Think about what you want to do. Do you want to hold it for the long term? Do you want to build your net worth? Do you want to allow the chance to grow passive income? Right, that once you do the legwork to set up correctly the first time. You'll never have to worry about it again, right? Do you want to have that income coming in each month to add to what you're receiving on BAH for your next station or retirement, right? Of your pension checks to add to your pension that you're receiving soon. Just think about it and answer yourself that question. And if you do choose to sell your home, make sure that you have the right things in place to cover the losses that you are going to or may potentially, you know, see. All right? Well, okay, guys, that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Also, go reach out to us on Facebook, like, and subscribe to that as well so you can see some live updates, as well as our Instagram page, all right? We just launched that, so it's really exciting. And thank you so much for uh, spending time with us, all right? Catch you guys in the next episode. This is Mike. I'm out.